Welcome to the inaugural episode of The Autobiography, One Family's Automobile Accidents and How to Avoid Them. In each episode, we'll share one automotive adventure story and have our favorite mechanic weigh in on what went wrong, how we fixed it, and how you can avoid it. We'll end the episode with a hot take on a mechanical topic from the automotive industry or culture. I'm your host, Elena Ean, and today I'm here with my dad, Kim Ean. Hi, Kim. Hi, Dad. Hi, sweetheart. <laughs> Good to see you and hear you. <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. So you are our mechanic through all of this. So the, the title of the episode is Our Spare Mechanic, which is kind of what mom coined the term, and we've... We've called you that throughout all of the adventure stories that we have, that you never travel without your spare mechanic. So in this episode, we just want to establish a little bit of ethos, get to know um, kind of your automotive background and how you got to know so much about cars and all of your experiences with those. And also just a little bit about your history and you as a person and what drove you huh, um, into the field of mechanics. So... So yeah, let's go ahead and get started with just some background information about you. So I'm old <laughs> and, uh, and have a lot of experiences, but I come from a family. Uh, my father's family is, grew up on a farm up in Montana and farmers just pretty much take care of themselves. And there were four boys. And I know that three of them are very mechanical. I know the other one was into music. He also really liked Cadillacs and, and new cars and, and fancy stuff. Uh, but so I imagine he was kind of uh, mechanical minded too, but, but I don't know him as well as I know the others. And, uh, and then on my, my mother's side, there's uh, four girls and one boy, and he's an electrical engineer, or was. And uh, my mom, through her experiences with life, was able to just to do stuff. And she could, you know, for example, she went and put in a, a uh, indoor plumbing bathroom in her sister's farm home in southern Utah. And, you know, She's just amazing. So there you go. That's that's where I come from, and that's where I get my my abilities, I guess. Yeah, you've got the fix-it gene on both sides. So yep. <laughs> that's excellent. Um, yeah, and so let's talk about you now. So how how did mechanics operate or influence your, your childhood and growing up years? So... Uh, so I'm the youngest boy, the baby boy. My older brothers, my oldest sibling is 16 and a half years older than I am. And then the next boy is 11 years older than I am. So as, as I came to know life and was aware, they were a lot older than I was. My dad had moved from Montana down to Utah and bought a truck. And then he just slowly expanded and expanded until he had as many as five 10-wheel dump trucks. And being the kind of guy he was, he would drive all day. And if you come home, 
then you fix the vehicle if there's something wrong with it. And if you have five of them, you fix, you know, whatever's wrong, whenever it goes wrong. And of course he had his boys help when they could. And also he hired some professional mechanics instead of taking the vehicle to the shop or a business, he made friends with some of the mechanics and he would hire them after their work, they would come and stuff that he didn't feel comfortable with or whatever he watched and learned. And sometimes he even went back and loosened bolts when he could see the mechanic was just getting too crazy. <laughs> but uh, anyway, but, but he, he knew how he wanted things to run. And so that's how I grew up helping my dad work on trucks and cars and you name it and and watching my brothers also help yeah kind of that at at home mechanic all the way through yeah and and my dad you know one of his favorite states uh sayings and being growing up on the farm where you just you know you had to do it or it didn't get done and he just his one of his favorite sayings was that i've been doing so much with so little for so long that now I can do anything with nothing. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> That's great. I don't think I've heard that before. So it's, yeah. I've been doing so much with so little for so long that now I can do anything with nothing. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, <laughs> that does seem to feel, <laughs> it resonates <laughs> yes. with what I've experienced through um, my childhood and kind of our experiences with with cars and mechanics and your, you know, incredible ability to make things work. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of my favorite stories is uh, that you got to be really good at driving backwards because of driving semis. You want to touch on that just a little bit? It's one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. So, so, and actually it, it's not semis. We had 10 wheel dump trucks. So okay. it was just, just a single truck, but uh, one of the jobs and, and all of the boys, not only did they help dad fix the car, the trucks after work, but they became truck drivers and, and supporting the family and earning money for college and missions and whatever. But uh, one of the jobs we went on was to pave the road next to the railroad tracks. And it, so in order to do that, because it was such a narrow space or road, we had to back up about a mile and a half with a full load of asphalt back up to the machine, hook up to it and dump our load and then drive forward, and then the next truck would back up a mile and a half. So, so yeah, we, we had plenty of opportunities to, to learn how to back up. Yeah, definitely true. Well, that's, that's really fun. Um, okay, so you have all of that just kind of going on at home and lots of opportunities, lots of experiences to have, you know, hands-on um, training with with automobiles and such and then what kind of drove you to choose mechanics as like a career and to study that in college and such you know as a youth growing up of course we had lawnmowers gas lawnmowers and and they would break or whatever and back in those days they'd have summer programs or whatever and one of the summer programs at my junior high school was a small engine repair class and so as a junior high school student, I took a small engine repair class 
and learned about that and enjoyed that and rebuild a small engine, a lot more engine. And, uh, and then as I went to high school and, and my high school had an auto shop and stuff, I thought, well, Hey, ought to be part of that. So, so I was part of that. And I took, you know, auto one and auto two and advanced auto or whatever. And I became aide for the automotive class. And there were several contests going on. One was the called the Plymouth troubleshooting contest. And another one was the VICA. It originally is called the Vocational Industrial Clubs of America. And it was a big club that had covered different vocations and automotive was one of them. And so had the opportunity to do compete in that and, and prepare and study for it. And I was, you know, pretty, pretty good at mechanics and, and some of my friends were too. And so we, we participated in that and I competed in, in our school competition, in our district competition. And as I went to college, my, my brothers and, and I think, I'm not sure if my dad had a Corvair or not, but uh, my brothers had Corvairs. And so, I, you know, I, it's what I grew up around and, and I thought that was kind of cool. And so the first car I ever bought, probably when I was 15 or 16. Uh, you bought was, a car at 15? <laughs> uh, I don't remember, but I was young. And yeah, uh, yeah it, so it might have been 15 or 16, you know, and it was $25. Okay. But yeah. uh, it was Corvair and it had four flat tires. And, and uh, so my dad drove his truck up there and we wheeled out the air hose and because his truck has an air compressor on it because it has air brakes and aired up the tires and got it all set and drove it down. And I cleaned it up and got it running, charged the battery or, or bought a new one or whatever. And, uh, and had that car for a while. And, and, Corvair is kind of a, a a new improved American version of the Volkswagen Beetle. Okay. Well, if you know, I if was you know curious. Much, <laughs> yes. So if you know much about Volkswagen Beetles, if you own one, you learn a lot about mechanics because, wow, they own that for a while and it will teach you. So uh, kind of a similar situation Corvairs eventually didn't have a great reputation, but I bought one and I bought one with an engine that sounded terrible. However, I bought this car and it happened to have a spare engine. So it had a, it had the engine that he was that he had taken out and he was gonna rebuild it. So well, I drove this rough sounding Corvair, but uh in when I went to college, I I took the car with me and I took an engine rebuilding class at college and I had that engine that I could work on while I was still driving the car. And so I rebuilt that and eventually swapped the engine out and, and had a much better sounding and running vehicle. And then my, my brother, because of working with my dad, uh, my dad liked to keep his trucks, you know, looking good. And so he would hire someone to paint them and, my brother is 
David was a very amazing guy could do anything. And so he watched people paint and he goes, well, I I can do that. And so he had his dad buy a a spray gun and stuff. And he started painting the trucks. And pretty soon my brother had a side business of repairing cars. And so we painted the Corvair. We sent it down and got it sandblasted and patched all the holes and and painted it. And, And so I've, you know, it's, it's where we come from. We're all about the cars. Yeah, yeah. And you probably were driving just about the nicest Corvair that was possible to drive because you had changed it, (laughs) changed all the things about it. Uh, Yeah, so this is actually a a great example of what I'm going to refer to throughout the podcast, probably as Frankensteining the cars, (laughs) (laughs) where, (laughs) you know, you take parts of of one and you put it together in a different one and, and just make them last longer, make them work better. And that's, that is something that I see as a skill set. You certainly have. <laughs> yes. So in, in college, so I, I took those classes and, and I became a student aide for the automotive uh, department and eventually became not just student aide, but a teaching assistant. And I worked with the, with the engineering rebuilding classes and, and others and I also got another Corvair because I had sold the other one and, uh, and you know, did, did a number of things. I had an El Camino, 64 El Camino, and, and uh, ended up swapping the engines on that and having all of those kinds of experiences. And I also competed. One of those contests, the Vica contest, was also at the college level. And so I competed at the college level. And so one year I took first place in the state and, uh, and got to go to Louisville, Kentucky to national competition and compete there. And I believe it, at that competition that I took, actually, I can't remember because I went, I went twice. Uh, once I went to Louisville, Kentucky, and once I went to uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And in one of the contests, I didn't take first, second, or third, but I got a certificate of honor, meaning that I had scored better than 90% of the possible points. The next time I went, I didn't get the certificate of honor, but I, I tried three times in the contest and twice I took first place and was able to go to this competition. The, the one time in between actually that I didn't get to go I took third place. I, I, I lost, I was third place by one. Uh, a guy from my college scored one point better than I did. And uh, the person who beat us both out went to world competition. He took wow. the United States competition and was a, invited to go to world competition. And he was from what was the Utah Technical College, which is now called UVU. So let's let's talk a little bit about moving down to Vegas and uh, becoming an auto teacher. So so I had a lot of interesting experiences and I enjoyed it and I thought you know my brothers and sisters had been teachers and I thought that that would be fun working with my dad and and big trucks and grease and stuff you know pretty dirty and so, so I didn't love that part. But I thought, you know, hey, I could be an auto teacher and, you know, do the best, best of all worlds. And so I uh, was able to 
graduate and interview, got a job in Las Vegas and moved down there. And uh, it, it was kind of funny because one of my, one of the teachers at the school that I got hired to teach auto shop at told me probably a month after he was there, he says, you know, I can't believe that you got this job because as they were interviewing, there was a principal in the school district that his son, you know, was a, was a possible automotive teacher and he had applied for the job. And he says, I, I just can't believe you got this job that, that they didn't pull strings and work it out so that the principal's son, you know, from the district would have the job teaching here. And, uh, and he says, I just can't believe it. And I says, well, I, I, I kind of know why. And that is because I'd taken, I'd been to state and national competitions in automotive. I'd been president of the college industrial clubs of America. I had been teaching assistant for the automotive department. I have all kinds of background. And so I kind of, I kind of see because of my resume, I, I kind of, you know, not to say anything too proud or whatever, but I, I can see where the principal of the school just could see that this was going to be a way better choice than a principal's son who wanted to get squeezed into the job. So anyway, but, uh, but that's what happened. And I started teaching in Las Vegas and, uh, so I tried to get my students to have some of the same experiences and, and, you know, the first jet I'd ever flown on was going to the competition in, in Louisville and, and in Atlanta, Georgia, and just some really great opportunities and, and scholarships and prizes and, and whatever. Uh, actually I didn't get any scholarships. My students did, but, uh, but but just the opportunities that, that were there through these through the competitions and the clubs. Yeah. So you, I mean, through your history, winning um, first in state for some of these competitions, going to the national level, and being up there with the best of the best in um, in some of those years, and then being able to take that experience and also um, providing those opportunities for your students. Um, yeah, I'd say that you've you've been up there with the best and the best and lots of experience with the automotive competitions. For some of us who are uh, who've not gotten that kind of grease on our hands, uh, what exactly do those kind of competitions entail and what's maybe one um, major component that you could talk a little bit about? So the the there's two different approaches with the two contests that were available to us. Uh, and actually it became three contests that we would go to, but the Plymouth troubleshooting contest, which Chrysler took it over for the contest over for one year. And then they gave up on it. Triple a insurance thought it was such a great program and such a great idea that they approached the other bigger companies, Ford and general motors and said, Hey, would you take over? the Plymouth troubleshooting contest, we will help you. We will supply a bunch of stuff. You supply the cars and the mechanics and, and people to help put it on. And so GM said, no, we are involved with the VICA, which became Skills USA contest. So we don't want to do two of them. 
And Ford says, yeah, we'll step in. And so it became the, the Ford AAA student auto skills competition. And that contest is vehicle specific. So the whole competition is they bug 10 cars, for example, with the exact same problem. And they actually, it is about somewhere between, you know, nine and 14 problems with the car that would make it run poorly, not run, you know, whatever, and uh, not start, just headlights don't work, you know, bunch of different things. And then you have an hour to fix it. And so each state has a contest. And so you have a written part that qualifies you and so they send out the test have all the schools sign up if you want to be involved with it then they have everybody take a test and they do the scores and it's a team competition so you have to have at least two people from your school and the two scores that the students have add up and they take the top 10 schools and they invite them to the state competition. And then they go and they have you take another written test. And then they have you do a hands-on test, which is they bug 10 cars, 10 brand new. Originally it was Chrysler's, but then uh, I think I think I only did it as a teacher one year with the Fords. So uh so that's that's how that worked. It was just an hour long contest, and uh, anyway, the hands on part, working on the car, and they wouldn't have you uh, work underneath the car. You didn't jack it up. There were no lifts involved. Not underneath the vehicle, in the engine compartment, in the trunk, in the headlights, taillights, dash, you know, all over, but not not underneath the car safety wise. And so the other contest, this uh, location industrial clubs of America or the skills USA contest, they involves people from all of the major car companies and ask them each to donate a car or a test to the competition and come and supply judges at the national level. So there would be a Nissan to work on, there'd be a Chrysler to work on, there'd be a Ford to work on, there'd be a GM's to work on because GM helped sponsor this contest, but they kind of organized it and, and ran it and provided some of the fundings, some of the prizes. They hired Miss America to come and to speak to the kids and to have the students have their picture taken with Miss America. <laughs> Yeah, and, go into a national and, competition. And the teacher, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, so they would sponsor that kind of thing. And what just what a great opportunity for the kids. Oh, my goodness. So that's what that was like. And it was it was probably a four or five-hour competition. You would have 15 different stations. Each station would last about 15 minutes. And everyone worked on the exact same 15 stations let's let's say there's 15 stations and so they would rotate through so everybody would have the exact same competition and they would just judge how you well you did at each station you'd have 15 minutes to accomplish the task then you'd have a five minute break where they would re-break it or reset the the competition the the station and so you'd wait there while they reset it and then they'd have a five minute 
transfer period, move to the next station, and uh, a few minutes to read through the outline of what they want you to do and what you'd be judged on. And then the buzzer rings and, and you go for another little while. So that competition, the hands-on part would last, you know, three or four hours. And, uh, and they also had a, uh, a written competition also at, at the national level. And of course, same things at the state, local dealers, et cetera, would be asked to set up the contest for the automotive, for example. And again, they'd, they'd have you do whatever you need to compete. You might have local competitions and decide who and how many get to go to the state competition. Well, that's cool. And so then after the 15 different stations, you'd compile a kind of see who did it the fastest right. and the most efficient, effectively. Right. And then that would determine the the national winner. So in the state level, they invited 10 schools to the state competition. And you had local competitions to eliminate fear, whatever. And, and and the written contest, but uh, when you got to go to nationals, you were competing against fifty teams, and that's again that's the Ford AAA. And the first time that I, as a teacher, was involved with that, uh, we got to go to the mall at Washington D.C., and the competition was with 50 cars, 50 Mercury Grand Marquis, just at the foot of the Lincoln Memorial. Wow. And my uncle and my aunt came and saw my students compete, and it was just fun. So it was just a, it was a really neat experience. It's the first time I'd been to, uh, actually... Actually, I guess I, I hadn't been to Washington before, but anyway, this was an opportunity and my, my uncle and aunt lived in Virginia and I didn't get to see him that often, but that was so nice that he came and saw it. And I think he was kind of a Ford guy anyway, not, not positive, but, and so anyway, he, he, he enjoyed that and it was a great experience and, and a lot of fun. So. Yeah, it, it seems kind of throughout the history that there's the melding of, of family and adventure opportunities and mechanics, and they all just kind of mix together and um, kind of form the tapestry of your life, I would say. I mean, we have ways to get places and cars to get us places and to do things, but I mean, family's the reason for so much of it. getting yeah. together and, and yeah. doing things, and so... Yeah. Well, that was so fun. Thank you for coming and chatting with me about um, kind of your your history with mechanics. And we're excited in the next episodes to kind of break down more um, kind of event by event. So um, different automotive stories. But now we've established you as the automotive authority that you truly are. And <laughs> And yeah, so we just want to end the episode with a what what I'm going to call the hot take. And that'll just be a quick, uh, just a quick opinion um, about something in the automotive industry. And the hot take for today is what would you say the difference between an auto teacher and kind of a more general mechanic is in either skill sets or like preferences? 
you know, and, and I, I look at that all the time because, because uh, that's, you know, in my retired life, I'm a little bit more of the auto mechanic, but uh, so the, the teacher, and of course with me, Hey, it's someone who didn't want to get dirty, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, it's, at, at, I, I am not fast. And, and that's kind of my nature, you know, I'm, I'm just not fast. And so a mechanic in today's world pretty much needs, they get, most of them get paid by how many jobs they do. And if they do uh, 10 hours of work in four hours, then they make 10 hours worth of pay in four hours. And if they uh, make, one hour's worth of work lasts for 10 hours. They get paid for one hour of work. And so, so it, it can bite you, but, uh, but mechanics, uh, they're there to get the job done and hopefully do it right and be honest and hopefully be honest with the people, et cetera. Uh, a teacher, I, I can fix, you know, probably anything but it may take a while and and i don't i'm not used to all the i'm not looking for shortcuts and, and quick ways to do things although i do try to do try to you know to do things as simply as possible but uh but it's more that i'm i'm involved with teaching someone how to do it and thought processes and uh and teaching the theory what what makes it work why it works learning that you know where what are the weak points what can fail uh so uh yeah i, I i'm not a great mechanic uh hopefully you know well there you go hopefully i was <laughs> a good teacher but uh anyway well. <laughs> it's 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 been it's been a lot of fun but yeah uh retirement benefits i think are better for teachers than they are for auto mechanics but at the same time as a teacher you know i've had a couple of students come back and after a year and a half year and a half of graduating and and i talk with him and says well just you know so i can tell my students what you're doing you know what are you doing and and uh you know who you're working for and you know kind of how much money you make and and so, you know, I've had a student or two come up to, you know, come back and say hi and, and you know, thanks and whatever. And, and so when I ask him, well, yeah, they're making more than I am. So there it you go. It balances out, you know. Yeah. So it sounds like the difference is mainly a little bit pace, a lot of teaching versus um, doing kind of yeah. instant versus long term. There. You know, and the qualifications, you know, to be a teacher, you've got to go to college. Yeah. Unless you are a mechanic and decide, wow, this is too hot, too hard, too long. And you try to transition into the teaching field as as a professional turned teacher. And then you have to take some education classes, but they will hire you. And uh, it's kind of a tough transition because, you know, you're dealing with kids rather than vehicles so anyway but yeah. uh yeah lots of lots of options open for mechanically minded people yes and and you may say that you 
you may not be the greatest mechanic in um, terms of what you talked about makes a mechanic traditionally successful pacing and and the like, but you are certainly our favorite mechanic, and I think we have the the credentials and stuff to back up that you are, were certainly a great teacher as well. So thanks for joining me today, and we are excited to talk with you again for our next episode. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to The Autobiography, One Family's Automobile Accidents and How to Avoid Them, written by Elena Ean. Produced by David Ean in Filmine Productions, along with music composition and editing by David Ean. Tune in in two weeks to find the next episode of The Autobiography.